everyone to our service this morning. Thank you for taking the time to be here this morning. We're glad that you're here. A couple things before we uh, get into our service. Please remember that today is our special contribution for benevolence for this year. Uh, and we, we've been praying for uh, a good result for that today. And also uh, at the end of our service today. If you would remain seated, uh, Brother Larry Morgan wants to take a few pictures 
So uh, just remain seated. He said it won't take but two minutes. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our righteous, holy Father, thank You for the blessings that You bestow upon us. Thank You for this congregation of Your people. And we pray that as as we go about our work in this community, that others can see the love of Jesus and see that we're spreading that love throughout our community. Father, we are thankful for all of the things that You've done for this church through the many years that it's been here. And we pray that You'll continue to bless it. Be with us as we worship together this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. First song we'll sing is number 993, What a Mighty God We Serve. We'll sing through this twice. If you would stand with me, let's sing out to our Lord. We'll sing through this. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels now before Him, heaven and earth adore Him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels now before Him. Sing this before our opening prayer. Breathe. 
That's great. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we thank you uh, for this day that you've blessed us with. Father, we come to you wanting to give you all the praise, honor, and glory this morning. So we come to worship you and we are so thankful for this time. Father, we thank you for this church and each member here and each family. Father, we have several and many who have asked for our prayers and are sick and many who are uh, hurting or lost loved ones, and we just ask you to be with each of these. Father, we ask you to be with the work here and uh, every member that's involved, that you would give us strength and give us courage, give us patience as we try to carry out the work that you want us to do. Father, we pray for our Bible teachers and uh, all our ministers here. Again, that you would, would give them strength and uh, pray, Father, for all those uh, who are listening and hearing your word taught. We pray for our children. We pray uh, for the efforts being done to teach them and, and our youth. We're so thankful for the families that we have. Just pray, Father, that we could be encouragers to our children and, and to teach them to love you. Father, we pray now as we go in on through our service, you'll be with us. Help us to focus on you, focus on your word, and put off the things of the world just for a little while. Pray for Jeremy as he leads our singing. We're thankful for him and all our song leaders. and uh, We thank you for Ken as he will bring the message to us shortly that you'll be with him. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Song of Invitation will be Pierce My Ear. We'll sing that after Brother Ken's lesson. We'll have a couple of songs before he comes and gives the word. It'll be number 790. Lord, take control of the first song. My Oh uh-huh. 
chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews 13, verses 6, 15 and 16. Therefore by him let us continue offered the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you. Hope you had a great week this week. I hope that in light of our discussion today, that you found opportunity to serve someone this week. I hope that God has blessed you with the resources and the means by which you can extend your life to touch another life and to make that life better. God's invested a lot in each one of us. And today, especially, as we think about our benevolence work and the opportunities that are always before us in our community to extend our hand and to lift someone in need, I hope that we'll take passages like we will be discussing today to heart and that we will be a, a giving people, a sharing people, a people who do good. Before we start that, let's pray that God will bless us today in our study of his word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing, the privilege it is to be assembled here today and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We've already been involved in those things. We've been lifting your name up and the principles that you teach us and we're just praying that our lives reflect the things that we have already spoken. And we've been speaking them to one another, teaching and admonishing. And as we've approached your throne, we've, we've been thankful, but we've also been beggars because there are things in our lives that are amiss. And of course, we trust you every step of the way, but 
There are things that touch our hearts and we bring them before you because as much as we are aspiring to do your will, uh, there are things that touch our lives that are, are our will. And we're just, we're putting them before you in hope that uh, you will shower your blessings upon our concerns. And now, Father, as we are looking into your scriptures, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us not to forget to do good and to share. And to know that for you, those are valuable sacrifices that we offer into your presence. I pray that you'll convict us of that. Help us to examine ourselves as we ought to and find what it is that we can do to demonstrate our love through our acts of generosity. And bless this congregation as it does its very best to reach out to this community community in that way. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity to speak your word. And I, I pray, Lord, personally that you'll help me to communicate it well so that people can receive it. And then I pray for those who hear that when they receive it, that it will result in transformation and in, in action on their part. And thank you for all that you'll do in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen. So this text may seem, I don't know, a little bit strange to us, especially given its context here in the book of Hebrews. But you have to keep in mind that this letter is written to a group of people who were Jews, had been converted into Christianity, and they've had some rough spots. And as a result of that, their faith has been tested and they're starting to wonder, maybe, maybe it would be better. You know, the leave Christianity behind and go back to what we were comfortable with. That sense of religion and purpose and community that they enjoyed prior to Christianity. To be back where it's comfortable. And much of this book is just simply dealing with the reason why you wouldn't do that. That your conversion to Christianity, your faith in Jesus Christ, is what it's all about. And having that trust in Him will help you tr to transcend all these other problems. Well, one of the problems that they faced was that, you know, as they grew up, when they worshipped God, they were able to assemble in synagogues, and on special days they would gather with their family and their, their extended community in order to worship at the temple. They felt a part of things. So when they sang their praises and they participated in acts of worship, in particular sacrifices, they felt like something spiritual was happening. But now in Jesus Christ, there was a stigma connected with them. Many, no doubt, probably most, had become disassociated from their families. They had chosen Christ now, over father and mother and brother and sister. And over time, that became a real pressure. And being ostracized, being alone that way, I'm sure that's a heavy burden, a heavy weight. Here, as the Hebrews writer is addressing that disconnect that they had experienced, he reminds them, now, wait a minute, you know, we still offer praises and we still are able to offer our thanks to God. And 
I'm going to think that in Christ, you and I, we typically associate with that, right? We've already been involved in it. As verse 15 was stressing those kinds of sacrifices, I'm thinking I can line up with that. Okay, so in Christ, as they were participating in acts of worship, so now I still participate in acts of worship. Okay, in that I can feel at home. But he said there is another aspect to this that takes our experience with God, our relationship with the Lord, to another level. And in verse 16, he says, Do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I'm thinking that those who grew up in the era of sacrifices had never had it dawn on them that, wait a minute, it isn't just those typical expressions of worship that we think about that ends up being a sacrifice to God, you know, praise and thanksgiving. Or, or even for the Jews in the offering of a burnt offering. I mean, clearly that is spiritual. Clearly that is an expression of my heart to God in the practice of it. That is my religion. But here he says, in Christianity, we take it up a notch. Sure, there is the sacrifice of praise and there is the sacrifice of thanksgiving, but don't forget to do good and to share because that's a sacrifice too. In fact, he says, a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. In 1995, an 87-year-old woman by the name of Osiella McCarty donated $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi. Was she a wealthy businesswoman who just wanted to make a donation and, you know, get the perks out of that? Was she an alumnus who had had a windfall and decided to bless her school? Was she just a philanthropist who spreads money around and wanted to get her name in the newspaper? No. Miss McCarty had spent 60 years of her life washing clothes in Hattiesburg. For 60 years, she had washed and saved her money. She actually had quit school when she was in the sixth grade because she needed to take care of her family. But now at the close of her life, with her nest egg intact, instead of using that money that had been set aside to live a comfortable end, Miss McCarty determined that she wanted to better someone's life with education. And so she contributed that money to a scholarship fund so that others could receive something that she never had. I'm guessing, just by my observation, I mean, I can't make a, a general statement that I could give with statistics, but 
My experience, and I'm going to say probably your experience too, is that our society typically smiles on those who have the most. You see it manifested in property, automobiles, a large fine house, a fat bank account. While the world might esteem that sort of thing as great, when God looks at us, He doesn't look at us in terms of what we have amassed, being impressed with our goods and our money. When God looks at us, He's impressed with what we have given away. Today, I want us to think in terms of verse 16 of our text. Not to forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is, He is well pleased. In that, you know, we are serving others with our sacrifice. It isn't just that we are offering it up to God, but it is being, it is being channeled through and into the blessings of the life of another person. So we serve others by the sacrifices that are most costly to us. In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now this is a picture of the community of the church and of the difficulties that they experienced and how you deal with those difficulties. In this case, it wasn't every man for himself. In this case, it was every man for the other man a true community of believers that cared for one another. And so when there was a major need, that need was met by the surplus of members of the church. And we use the example of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, a great encourager. A great encourager who, although he is a Levite and has a land allotted to him, not on the basis of inheritance, but either it's given to him or he purchases it himself. He had taken something that there's no expectation will ever be returned to him, and he sells it. Not for his own benefit, not for a pat on the back, but because a need existed. He took that money He didn't even distribute it himself. He laid it at the apostles' feet, those who were in position of authority. And he was good with it. You know, I just want the proceeds of this land to bless somebody's life. I want you to notice it was not some token gift. It wasn't, well, you know, I want to do this because... You know, everybody else is kind of pitching in and I don't want to be left out, so I'm going to help too. 
wasn't that. It was a genuine concern for those who were in need. And I will take something that otherwise is rightfully mine, but I'm going to sell that so that I can help relieve the hurt or the pressure or the suffering of a fellow Christian. I want to do what is within my power to do in order to help. It's going to cost me something. David understood that concept, and you see it actually stated in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 24. He had come to the threshold of Arana. Now, previous to this, David had numbered the people. And you may say, well, what's the big, big deal? The Bible's full of accounts of people being numbered. But the caveat here is that God had told David, do not number these people. Don't count them. And David did it anyway. As a result, God punished all of Israel. And by the time the plague had spread in one day from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 people had died. Gad comes to David. He confronts him with his sin. The angel of the Lord is posed to strike down Jerusalem. And the Lord God halts him from doing that. In response... David offers up a sacrifice. He is told by God to offer that sacrifice on the threshing floor of Orana, the very place where the plague had stopped. And I, I hear the enthusiasm of Orana. I'm pretty sure that he's well invested in this because he was next. You know, he's going to die next. And so, boy, David, you're here. We're going to offer sacrifices. He says, let me give you the stuff to sacrifice. In fact, I'll supply the kindling and everything. I am so happy to help. But David here in verse 24 says, uh, no, I am not going to offer an offering to the Lord my God with something that costs me nothing. When we offer a sacrifice, as it were, a gift, it isn't just from the surplus. You know, I've got this left over. Uh, maybe when the collection is passed around, you think, oh man, somebody's going to see me. I, I better give something. So we grab the wallet and we look and see what we've got. That isn't what was being described here. That certainly wasn't what we saw in Acts chapter 4. Here were people who saw a need and dug deep. And David says what needs to be said, right? I'm not given just because I got it on the cheap. I'm not giving because it was something that was left over or came into my possession in just a kind of surprising way. I'm giving out of a sacrifice, out of a, out of a difficulty. I want to help. What is it that drives us to want to help somebody to the degree that it just won't do, except that it hurt a little bit? I think about the Macedonian brethren, who are described for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul describes them as, you know, just people that have 
have the right heart about them. There isn't anything to be said except that they're going to act. And in verse 5, he tells us exactly why that is true. He says the first thing that they did was that they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Okay, stop. There's a need that exists. Will y'all just come and pitch in? The Macedonian brethren did not say, oh, well, Paul, we are touched by the need, and so, you know what? We have decided that's probably a good idea, and so we're going to give. That's not what happened here. What happened was they already had a heart that was predispositioned to give. In other words, they first gave themselves to the Lord. When I give myself to the Lord, that comes in recognition of the sacrifice that he made. Now, when Jesus is willing to suffer and to die on my account, even when I'm a sinner, when I'm not worth saving, when I come to grips with that reality, then when I am asked to help, and I think not that I'm just helping a particular person or a particular cause, but that in this, I'm going to be representing my Lord who gave up everything for me. When I first give myself to the Lord, then when something else comes along, I don't have to be convinced. I don't have to be prodded and poked. I'm just going to act. Because the first thing I did before I ever heard about the need was give myself to the Lord. And then I can freely give myself to you if that need exists. I tell you, when we serve our sacrifice needs to be something that is costly. But it also is to be something that is dedicated. And when I say dedicated, I mean, well, I'm drawing out of Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21. and Or chapter 21, verse 19. You know that, that text is when you have the rich young ruler who comes along and he's wanting to know what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus asked him about all that he's already done. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I've done, done all the laws. I've kept everything. And so Jesus says, chapter 19, verse 21, he says, okay, then if you want to be perfect, sell all that you have, you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the text says that he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Okay, let's examine that for a minute. Sell all that you have. That's dedication, isn't it? Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, here comes the drop. Next thing Ken's going to say is, sell all that you have. Well, I'm not going to say that. So just, you know, release the tie, give yourself a little space, bring it down a notch. I'm not challenging all of us to have a big yard sale and sell it all off. If you were thinking that and you were about ready to come back at me, you might would have said, well, no, whoa, 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 you know, uh, if a person can't provide for his family, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel, so can, you can't tell us just to empty it all. Now, I'm, I'm not doing that. Not, not doing that at all. But I am here to say that we ought to be willing to do whatever is necessary in terms of the Lord's need of us. Just as was the case with the Macedonian brethren, when the need arose, 
They had first given themselves to the Lord and then they were going to give themselves to the cause. We give ourselves to the Lord first. Let's just say that we've already made that. We've already moved into the place where we're committed that much. We are dedicated to the Lord. We already know, just as they had experienced, what the Lord sacrificed for us. We already know uh, the desire in the Lord's heart to save the lost. And so when the opportunity arises, then we can act. But when that opportunity arises, would you be willing and ready to give what it really takes? Let's move away from money and stuff for a minute, okay? Let's think about status. What if we were living in a time where being a Christian isn't so popular anymore as it used to be? Where the standards of Christianity are not considered to be the standard of the society anymore? And what if you taking a stand on a particular subject results in your status change? That is, at one time you were respected, you, you were lauded for your principles. Now because you hold something that is contrary to the status quo, the people don't look at you the way they did before. Are you willing to lose status for Jesus? Could you sacrifice that? Or, and I hope this isn't true, but I look at some nations around us, like Canada, for instance where you can be imprisoned for your vocal assertion of some of those principles. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to be imprisoned if it comes to that? Or, of course, the extreme. Maybe we don't see it. We don't even anticipate it. But certainly it's been true throughout history that a person standing for their Christian principles and not backing down in their allegiance to Jesus could actually lose their life because of it. Would you be willing, just take the money out of it, would you be willing to give up your status? Would you be willing to go to prison? Would you be willing to die if it were necessary to do so? For Jesus, are you willing to make that sacrifice? Now, if you can see that, you know, somehow or other we, we match extremes. Like if someone said, to be saved, you must climb to the highest mountain in your county before you die. Well, we would all figure out where that is and then go climb it, right? Make one grand gesture, but Christianity isn't about all the grand gestures. Christianity is about the day-to-day -day life of emulating Jesus as we go along in this life. So, if we're really dedicated to Him, maybe it's something like what we see in the scene of the judgment in Matthew chapter 25, 35, and 36, a text that often is referenced when we talk about giving and benevolence and such things. You know, Jesus measures us up this way. I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Not the grand gesture, but the gentle, everyday gesture. 
Not asking you to have a yard sale, sell off everything that you have, and put it in the coffers for redistribution. Not that. But when the need arises, that we are ready to give. When the opportunity makes itself available to us, we will act. Not that I will feed the masses, but when someone is hungry, that I can be counted on to feed them. Not that I can have sufficient water for the whole world in drilling wells. That'd be wonderful, but maybe I can't do that myself. But if I come across someone who is thirsty, then I'm going to be willing in that moment. Right now, I'm going to get them something to drink. Or they're a stranger, they're a wanderer, they need a place to stay. I'm not going to tell them to to put their head on that rock there in the yard. I'm going to be hospitable and provide them with a safe accommodation. Or their clothes are tattered and worn. I will see to the need that exists there. I can't clothe the whole country, but I can take care of this instance right here. When they're sick, I can visit them and show compassion. When they're in prison, against what most people feel, even the stigma associated with parking in the parking lot, that I will have the courage to go in there and see if I can touch a soul for Jesus. Not the wholesale selling of everything that I have, but always being willing to do what is necessary when the opportunity presents itself. Let's see that we serve that kind of sacrifice, a dedicated sort of sacrifice, willing to rise up to the need that presents itself. And then we're also going to serve others by a sacrifice that is absolutely complete. When I say complete, I want to go back to our text for a moment. So we have the rich young ruler, he comes along, and Jesus tells him, if you want to be perfect, let's stop right there. That's the word I'm looking for. Perfect or complete. You want to be complete? You want to get the whole thing together? Then here's what you do. Sell all that you have, You'll have treasure in heaven. You can give that to the poor. And then you come and follow me. Emphasis on follow me. Get rid of that which is an obstacle to you and be complete. Another description of completeness, I guess, is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. it's, It's the right thing to do. It's the reasonable action in response to what the Lord has done to you. Be a living sacrifice. Now that is my condition, not just that I'm offering up something, but I'm going beyond that. I'm not just offering up something. I'm offering up me. Myself. You see, it's more than just the act. It's, it's the attitude behind it. it. It, the stuff that we would give is just an extension of our being. I'm wanting to help. Here's how I can do that. It just manifests itself maybe in a thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, 
So Saul has made his major catastrophe this time. He was told to go fight the Amalekites and to utterly destroy them, wipe out everything. Just as God had given the instructions as Joshua had gone into the promised land, you're going to wipe it all out. So Saul, you go and you fight those Amalekites and you utterly destroy them. But he did not do that. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Let's break that down. Sacrifice, great. You know, in some circumstances, the sacrifice was the thing. You do this. You need to offer the sacrifice to atone for sins. That whole business, great. Religious activity. But do you think for one moment that the sacrifice is the thing? The sacrifice is not the thing. The thing is the obedience. The thing is obeying the Lord. Saul comes along and says, well, you know, the reason that we didn't completely wipe them out is because we wanted to save, you know, the people anyway. They wanted to save behind, you know, the oxen and and the sheep so we could offer sacrifices to the Lord. And the Lord is like, I'm sick of that. You think that I wanted if I wanted sacrifices, I would have told you to save them. I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to wipe them all out. I want obedience. And the question is, can you just wipe out and make nothing the matter of obedience by offering enough sacrifices? No, you can't do that. Can I just give and give and give if I don't really have a heart of generosity? You might as well keep it because it does not work that way. The stuff that I give is to be a reflection of what's going on in my heart. And if it isn't going on with my heart, then wait, let's back up a minute. The first thing that I was supposed to do was to give myself to the Lord and then to that thing. If all I've done is major in the giving of the thing and missed, and missed the relationship with the Lord, then all of that giving was for nothing. I might as well have just spent it on myself. It's interesting that when they talked about how we longed for the old days when, you know, we could worship with other Jews, that they're reminded, wait a minute now, for one thing, you know, you can still offer praise and you can still offer thanks to God. But don't forget to do good and to share. Because with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. In other words, it, you know, it's great to long for the time of worship. It's great to be gathered together and to participate in these acts and to glorify God. Absolutely. If our heart is with the Lord. Because if our heart is with the Lord, then we won't forget that another expression of sacrifice isn't just the corporate worship that we do, But when our feet hit the ground and we're interacting with people out there, another great sacrifice to offer the Lord is doing good and sharing. Today's a great day because you and I, we can manifest that in a very tangible sort of way. 
we can know that what we give today is going to go to benefit the life of somebody who is absolutely in need. So I encourage you today to act on this opportunity, to give so that others can be blessed, to express your Christianity, because first of all, you gave yourself to the Lord. And when the opportunity arose, whether it was to feed or to give a drink or to take in a stranger or to clothe someone or to visit the sick or even to go to the prisons, you saw the opportunity, it was today, and you gave to meet it. Don't forget to do that. We participated in praise and thanks, but don't forget to do what is good and to share. If you're a child of God, that should be a natural thing with you. If you're not a child of God today, maybe you've been the beneficiary of some good thing that a Christian has done in your life. Know that that Christian was simply reflecting the love of Jesus that they had experienced. And today you can experience that same thing in obedience to the gospel. Jesus died for you so that your sins could be forgiven. In fact, when we give, we give out of a grace. That is, we want to do it. We don't do it out of constraint. That is, I'll give, but I want to hold back a little. That's not how we do it. We give and give and give because the Lord gave so much for us. Today, you can benefit from that great gift in obedience to the gospel. Maybe there's something we need to pray about today with one of us. We're a family and we want to promote healing in this body. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason at all, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing?
Lord's Supper will sing 337. Hallelujah, what Supper emblem, just raise your hand and our ushers will be around to give you one. We've entered into our portion of worship where we remember Jesus's death on the cross of Calvary and it was that great sacrifice the most perfect sacrifice in the history of humanity that we remember this morning and we need to remember that with great reverence and gratitude because it was that sacrifice that gave each one of us the hope of salvation. If you would, bow with me. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for this bread, which represents Christ's body. We just pray that we partake of this bread in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow with me. Likewise, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this cup, which represents the blood that Christ shed on the cross. We pray that we partake of this cup in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. this time we are uh, have an opportunity to give there's uh, lots of ways we can do that now if y'all will bow with me we'll say a prayer heavenly father we know how blessed we are materially we know we're more blessed now than at any time in the history of mankind and god we're thankful for that god we pray that we use the many material blessings you've given us to further your kingdom and to spread your word and to do your will throughout the world. God, we just pray that everything we do is pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Jerry comes and makes the announcements, Becky and I wanted to take this opportunity to thank y'all for all the outflowing of cards and well wishes and and all the support that y'all gave us on our 50th anniversary. We had that yesterday, and so many of y'all have wished us a happy time, and we sure had a good day. I want to thank our kids, especially Rebecca, for putting together a little celebration I want to thank Philip and Mary Alice for being there. Philip and Mary have been there for us since before we got married. They've been there for us in the good times and the bad times, and I really appreciate them. We had so many cards, so many well wishes. It was a wonderful day. Kids took us out for steak supper last night. We're so blessed to have such a large family. I think they were 19 kids and grandkids there last night. But we're also blessed with such a large and loving church family. And we want y'all to know that y'all made it a special day for us. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, for the example that you set for all of us, especially young people, newly wed or going to get married someday, to look at a, fa- a couple that's been married for 50 years. That's, that's a great example. 
Your only problem is your son-in-law, whenever I get up to give announcements, he does this. And I don't know what that means. Anyway. Uh, we had uh, 282 people here today worshiping. And thank you, uh, those that are visiting, for worshiping with us. And please come again. I'll start off with a card. Dear church family, thank you so much for the calls, texts, cards, and food during my recovery from knee surgery. Thank you, Randy Stutz. Uh, those that we need to be in prayer for, not all inclusive. Uh, Terry Green, that's Ricky Green's brother. Uh, let's be in prayer for him as he has surgery tomorrow uh, as he's uh, battling bladder cancer. Uh, word of thanks, uh, I read that Colin Farr is home from the hospital. That's just great news, and, and we know that is due in large part to the prayers that went out. Uh, let's see. Announcements. Girls' speech will meet after class tonight. Girls' speech will meet after class tonight in the annex. Also, if you plan on being on a Lads to Leaders puppet team, on a puppet team, please meet in the little chapel following morning services today for a brief meeting. Also, those uh, that were worship with us from home, uh, just a couple items. Lads to Leaders today, Bible Bowl at 415. Uh, Lads to Leaders Keepers. Wrong. Lads, Lads to Leaders Keepers is now February 5th instead of February 6th, which is what's in the bulletin. So that's the 5th of February, which is a Saturday. I suppose the time will be the same. And also there are sweaters still in the foyer, those white sweaters, sweatshirts, sweaters, whatever you want to call them, to, uh, free to pick up and give us gifts, wear them. I guess do whatever you want with them. Uh, let's see. I believe that is all. So if you would, please stand with me for a prayer and we will be dismissed. After we do the, go ahead and sit down and we'll do the prayer. I'm sorry. And, and we're going to stay a little bit longer after that. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be able to come together to worship thee, to sing words of praise, to listen to thy word. We're so grateful for the messages that you send us. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunities we have every morning we wake up. And Father, we know that these opportunities are there for us to act on. And it is the choices we make which truly make a difference. 
on this world. May we take all these opportunities and do good in thy kingdom. And remember, they are all of love, and we're so grateful to have the chance and the opportunity and the good fortune that we have. But may we never take it for granted. Father, we love thee, and we love thy son who you sent to die for all of us. May it never be forgotten, and may the word always be spread. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.